This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Shake the ropes, Jeff Hawkins, Chris Novembrino, back for another week. Weekend edition, Chris is in the kitchen, cooking with gas, holding the mic. I, you, you want to put that I in a stand or something, brother? Stand. I am the microphone stand. Look at this, look at this bulging bicep. 35 years old, and I have this much definition going on here? Come on now. Come on, Hawkins. Yeah, yeah you feel again, it. You vibing. We'd like to, we'd like, you vibing. We'd li- like to wish a happy birthday to very important member of the wrestling podcasting family. That's right. It's Brian Alvarez's birthday. Yeah, happy birthday, Brian! <laughs> no, young Novi is in his mid-30s on the downswing to 40. I, I've exited the demo, Hawkins. I'm now like, <laughs> I'm not a P1. I'm not I'm not as essential as I once was yesterday. Um, it, it, the, the obsolescence is setting in. I, I, I found grays that I didn't realize I had. They must have set in overnight. Um, so yeah, no, uh, it's very exciting. It's a great time to be 35. It's certainly my time to be 35. So here we go. So you're going to, so, so now you're going to be in your, uh, wisdom years of wrestling commentary. (laughs) (laughs) I I believe it's uh, getting too old for this shit years of wrestling commentary. (laughs) That was me, baby. That was all me. Cause, uh, Let's put it this way: This show was almost canceled on Tuesday, on Tuesday after that oh, NXT show. Bro, I almost I, said the yeah. hell with this. I don't want to talk about because Raw, Raw was uh, some some Job like suffering uh, for three hours, <laughs> and it ended with a I'm doll and Shayna Baszler story. And, and like, imagine what our reward at the end. Like, like I'm trying to actually do like the God Satan thing. So Satan is Vince McMahon in this version of the Job story. I'm just I'm trying to understand the trial of bio ordeals here, but no, you're right. It uh truly one of the worst raws. And like, here's the thing: we've been on a string of these bad raws, and I think we're gonna be seeing them for the foreseeable future because this is a company right now that um is not interested in making a good week-to-week television show. They are singularly obsessed with the budget, so you're not even gonna be getting good content they're just keeping the lights on before we get into it we'd like to thank our sponsors this week manscaped and my bookie more on them in a little bit we are also on the voices of wrestling youtube channel where you can see chris's guns and his microphone and his kitchen and all those other great things uh chris we have uh we've received some behind the scenes morale uh update on wwe Yes, it's true. I, I I have myself oh. on mute. I'm back. I'm back now. Uh, okay. they, the the forces and the powers that be were trying to silence me, Hawkins. But uh, as always, <laughs> conspiracy. Yeah, so Zoom and the Chinese government once again trying to squelch old Novi here. But uh, but fighting hard. Chris fight Taylor Green on the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> Chinese space lasers coming at me, baby. Um, yeah. All right. So. Here's what I got for you uh, in talking to my sources. I know I think people think that this is a joke. I actually do know people inside the company. Um, and I got to re- reconnect with some of them this week here because of the birthday stuff. Uh, we actually just chatted yesterday. And um, I've got here's here's we've been talking in recent weeks about Nick Khan 
Nikon is a recurring character in a lot of the news segment of this show. Um, he's been coming in, doing a takeover, cleaning things up. And I think the coverage of him that you've been getting, broadly speaking, has not really gotten into how he is perceived inside of the office. Um, and my conversations this week were actually pretty revealing. Nick Khan uh, is basically being perceived as uh, an extreme villain. Um, and the people that Nick Khan is bringing in um, are being viewed with extreme skepticism. Uh, the general perception is, regardless of department, this is kind of a broad feeling, the people that Khan is putting into replace and manage the departments in question are not people who are knowledgeable about what goes on there and are incurious about getting proficient or competent at doing the job that they are tasked with. Um, and that is leading to questions kind of down the line. There are people who have been golden children and protected figures inside WWE, people who have served, you know, kind of uh, at the pleasure of Vince and others, uh, golden children, if you will. And golden children have been ripped off or riffed off by Nick Khan. He has been going and kind of lopping off their heads, too. So there's a, a real sense that Nick Khan is assembling a bit of a power base for himself to what end? Uh the general mood and morale inside the company is not good. People think they don't feel certain about their week-to-week -week employment. Um, this is doubled by the fact that there have been reductions in bonuses. Um, bonuses were once much more generous. They have uh, reduced in a substantial way. Not getting into percentages here to kind of keep things a little bit vague. They've been dropped. Um, they're also, I mean, salaries have been capped off. Races don't exist. There is a raise freeze. And I, I want to, again, put this in the context of WWE has been turning in record profits at this point. The stock price is up big. So all of these day-to-day -day employees who have been basically behind doing that should be getting some sort of reward for this. And that's certainly the wide held feeling in this. Like, how can you have record profits without basically a company that's doing it? Um, and that is not, that is not very much not the case. Um, there's also kind of some interesting stuff I, I just can't get into here about sort of what they view as the future of the business. And, and what I can say is broadly speaking, and I have to leave it here for this, our purposes, is that I think WWE views themselves uh, as much more as part of the world going forward. And so making a product that entertains Americans is a thing that this organization cares about, but less so than 10 years ago or 20 years ago or 30 years ago. Um, and I think that that disinterest in making a coherent product for Americans and also the type of product that has been passable for international audiences. If you think about some of the big international audiences that WWE has been interested in hitting here in the last four to five years, perhaps some countries come to mind. Um, they have been able to get away with a um, much less coherent product over there uh, because those audiences have been just happy to have WWE. It's not, it still has new car smell over there for them. Um, whereas for us, it's like, the most used of used cars. It's like this, this backseat smells like cat piss to all of us right now. Um, <laughs> there, there are places around the world that WWE has engaged in business with in recent years. Think about them, if you will, um, that, uh, that they've been able to get away with uh, that same used car that we are not impressed with. I think the thing that stuck out to me uh, when you were relaying the stuff that we could talk about was was just the tone of of when 
cutting back on staff and things like that. And to me, a lot of it screams like when companies, and I've been through this with law firms, when they go into Six Sigma or Kaizen or your other management styles, you bring in a bunch of consultants. They come in to look at your processes because they're looking for inefficiencies and trying to make it the same process every time when it's more of an art than a science. And then whatever they say, these management consultants say goes versus getting to know the personality of a department, getting to know, you know, their actual, you know, how they go about their day to day. Instead that you come in with a stopwatch and they're kind of going, okay, how do you do this? Okay. Now do it again. Stopwatch, do it again. Stopwatch. And if it doesn't fit their perspectives, they just go to the boss and go, we can get rid of all these people. I have a sanitized anecdote that I, I can relay here to that effect. Um, okay. So there is a department um, in the company. Uh, let's just leave it at that. Where it got cut to the bone so much that like it basically wasn't working at that point. They had overcut it and reluctantly they nick khan and one of nick khan's acolytes who is now effectively the head of hr had to come in and hire back a person um or like a discount version of this person and recreate this position but this position basically exists only to be phased out down the line but only because <laughs> they got overzealous in phasing it out and they shouldn't have done it in the first place so like Imagine what, taking that job and going like, "What's my uh, what's what's my stability looking like?" <laughs> Buddy, <laughs> stability. They're hiring. They're hiring the person who made it known, probably that. Oh, I need this job to pay my mortgage and my family. They're gonna they're gonna eat that. They're gonna eat that, and they're gonna come and in. And that person did come back at a haircut. Uh huh. Yeah. And and they're never gonna be respected. And they're gonna be on the next set of cuts. I feel bad for that person. Yeah. That that's the way those things go. Uh. Actually, it kind of brings us into an interesting, interesting uh, rumor that uh, a certain cut individual may be back at NXT sooner than later. One Samoa Joe may be back in the fold soon. Uh, you know, it, it's I, I don't know if I would have done that, commentary but, or fighting. Don't know. Just it's just a rumor. So we can't really mm -hmm. dig our teeth into it. But it's it's been making the rounds of late that he was at the PC this week as well. But we'll get into some actual news here. Uh, since we recorded on wait, Thursday. Wait, 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 wait. How, how dare you, sir? I come in with scoops for like one time oh, in six months. That was great. Actual news. You bury me. No, I, I, I just meant versus <laughs> the Samoa Joe rumor, not versus your thing. Because, I mean, yeah. I mean, what are we going to say? It, it's, it feels like vince brought in a bunch of corporate killers from like anderson consulting for the most part even though they're from caa or whatever agency i forget nick Khan came from but yeah they're we're running a business here pal that that's what it became from and <laughs> wwe is the most who's ever gonna you know we're really a family and we're da, 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 you know they're gonna pull that crap and we know it's not true and we know that these are cynical moves right now too Again, I, I brought this up because this happens in the legal field all the time. Once you make that much money, it becomes about how can we how can we really now gussy up this whole thing? Now that we're successful, how can we be more successful and attract top talent to the firm and and you know more? I mean, rain like, look at the business and, move they've they've done. The 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 Fox deal uh, by any measure for what they sold and what they sold it for 
absolute rollicking success. Uh, the Peacock deal, they didn't even sell the property. They let Peacock rent it for five years for, mm -hmm. for $1 billion. Um, Like, these have actually been good business deals. The thing yes. that I think is so maddening for us, um, you and me, uh, who are doing the Lord's work here by still watching this thing. And um, for fans who have, are starting to check out because they realize that this is just what they're watching now. Um, the thing that has been hard is that they've been getting the money and Vince has been made it very clear. He does not care about writing a good wrestling television show anymore. It is the WWE as an entity this last decade for him has existed as a business operation that he can monetize, leverage, and sell. It's not a television. A content show. provider, as they've actually rebranded themselves as well. Yeah, it's like a content provider in the sense that, like, McDonald's is out there making quality hamburgers, though. <laughs> I, yeah. The, McDon the McDonald's one is apt. I mean, I use that all the time because, remember, Tanahashi used that in his uh, autobiography. He talks about... You know, when they go to certain towns, you get the same product every time, and there's a certain comfort in that. And there's a lot of, I mean, look, the number, <laughs> we, we make fun of it now, but we watch the booking, and, and of course, you have, <laughs> you have <laughs> Charlotte Flair teaming up with Rhea Ripley in the Can They Coexist, the old number three, Chris, the old number three storyline, the people who are feuding have to tag with each other against Nikki Cross and Asuka, who are just both, their characters are just, not even there they're just being crazy the entire time uh them and, dancing on the table is a super apt summary for exactly the level of thought put into their character Nikki's right? doing the neener neener chicken pox thing with with her hand on her nose oscar's just always just dancing to a dj always playing her theme song it's it's very odd and endearing at the same time but Yes, they've built up Nikki Cross as a number one contender by running away from both women. It's just, your just mind goes, huh? <laughs> kind of that. So, yeah, it was a tough week up until about Friday. Um, and even Friday had its had its ups and downs. But we will, we will get into all that. After press time last week, the big news, since we did not get to see the Friday shows, Andrade El Idolo is now all elite, Chris. Rumors have it that part of his contract, he has some creative control, including who he is going to lose to, which I think in any contract is a mistake. I get the self-protection aspect of it, but I think once you give that control to someone, you're just asking for him to always say no. But the, the debut of this did not go terribly well because it was Vicky Guerrero screaming <laughs> in her shrieking voice so you couldn't really understand El Idolo. That said, that said they learned from their mistake and that video package that they played last night was hot fire and I loved it. I'm... I guess I'm just way cooler on Andrade than a lot of people. Um, I get that La Sombra was a great talent um, in the last decade. I... I believed in Andrade when he came into NXT, and I believe that he was capable of making the necessary adjustments and improvements and, and, and changes to his game necessary to work in American audience. But he didn't do that. So I don't believe in him. And I also think that the, the deficits in his game, specifically the promo, um, the promo just, I mean, it's, 
it's not passable. It still is not passable. And he had better part of half a decade here to get it to passable. I'm not saying he needs to get on the microphone and be Jake the Snake Roberts, right? I'm not expecting deep psychology and an understanding <laughs> of pacing and getting into your head and looking into the camera and really working into it. But, like, I expect Andrade to be better than what he is. Um, he, And the fact that they're already lumping him with Vicky, who I think is stale as hell, um, I think her act is just... She's a cover band of herself. Um, excuse me. Excuse me. Yeah. That's all it is now. That's a. That's a. That's like a nearly fifteen-year-old gimmick, dude. Um, like it's an old, old gimmick at this point. Um, I don't think she adds anything. I don't think she's a manager who adds. Um, and I think that so now Andrade has somebody who can say excuse me for him. Oh boy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like that. That's the thing that's going to make this act. I think like Andrade really needed Zelina. Um, if you were going to bring in Andrade, you need to have him with the mouthpiece firecracker. Like they WWE in a way did figure it out. Um, they didn't execute the plan, but the plan of Andrade with Zelina Vega, who has an interesting and not necessarily obvious dynamic with Andrade, that is the intrigue because Andrade can't really do a lot of the acting. So you got to do a lot of the storytelling through Zelina, who can oscillate between like concerned, maybe partner to Andrade to business manager. Like, like you can always keep their relationship in flux and have Andrade be the strong, silent foil to the yippy dog. Um, it, I, I don't think he works as a standalone and I don't think Vicky Guerrero adds to him. Um, and so I, I guess I I'm cynical on Andrade, but that's my, that's where I'm coming at. Leo rush announced his retirement on June 8th. He had separated his AC joint shoulder on May 30th. When he was the final entrant in the casino battle Royal, he's had sh shoulder issues dating back years. Also has had battles with depression, and most people, including those close to him, believe that once the shoulder heals, he will return. He has said he will fulfill his contractual obligations to New Japan once he recovers. That's a little heartbreaking. I'm I, I, sorry. I do like it Leo is Rush. hard. It's I like Leo Rush, but it is hard to take this guy seriously because that too. there is so much drama and BS with this dude. And, and sometimes he says stuff and you want to take his side on something, right? Like like a bad thing happens to him and you kind of want to have his back. But then even on those things, it's like he's doing this performative crap and you don't know where real and fake ends with leo rush um and yeah I, I like look um i've seen stuff i really like out of leo rush i think he's got something to offer to the business but um he needs to get out of his own way pwg announced he'll be returning on august 1st which is a sunday first show will be at the globe theater in los angeles a sketchy part of town and it doesn't look like they'll be running friday nights like in the past I guess due to AEW television being that night. This is Dave Meltzer talking. There are plans for a Battle of Los Angeles, but no dates are confirmed for it. So this is PWG's first show in about two years. America's hottest indies, Excalibur, and the Bucks probably still involved. I assume there might be some AEW talent on this show. Uh, I doubt there will be streaming of it live. I know a lot of you love PWG, but... Old Super Dragon has his business model, and it does not involve playing these things live. It involves strictly DVD slash high spot stuff. But I could see somebody like a Will Hobbs being on this show. 
Yeah, I, I think, look, uh, AEW's model really needs to be like, we are the indie alternative to WWE. And so having a strong relationship with PWG, I think, fits perfectly into that. Um, it behooves them to have strong relationships with all of the indie promotions that WWE is not interested in having. Um, like, yeah, so, yeah. Numbers talk NXT on June 8th at 669,000 viewers, 0.20 and 18 to 49. 582,000 people watched it live. Raw on June 7th, 1,640,000 viewers. Uh, I believe that's the seventh lowest ever in their in their thing, but they're uh, a little bit up from last week against the NBA playoffs. I, I, I still probably like the number one show on cable TV right now, right? Like it's like one of those. Uh, I, d- I don't know because Showbiz Showbuzz Daily has gone out of business, so I don't know. What it is okay, to everybody well, else. no, no, but like I mean, the other thing is the attrition thing, right? Like, like I don't think you can keep explaining away the downward trends in viewership of wrestling as just, well, there's this broad trend you see, Chris, of people are watching television less these days. Uh, I, Cause I've been getting that for again, like five years now. Okay. Yeah. Um, except that like, if you want to watch wrestling or if you want to be a wrestling fan, a really important part of being a wrestling fan is watching the wrestling. Um, so if there are fewer people watching the wrestling, Ergo, there are fewer wrestling fans. Like, like it, it, it's sort of prima facie, right? Like, if I'm not watching it, I'm not. I'm a lapsed fan. Um, it doesn't matter if I'm playing Virtual Pro Wrestling Two on my N64, a, a thing I might do later. It's it's, it's staring me in the face right now. Um, but <laughs> it's looking real. It's looking like a snack, Jeff. It's looking real good. Are you are you uh, telling me to finish this show and so no, we can get to it? <laughs> no, no, no. Vader versus the world on N64 can wait. It, it will happen. Ah. Uh, my, me, my tag team partner Vader and I can win uh, tag team titles later tonight. There's I forgot. I forgot to mention the bit we were going to do, but yes, uh, because yeah. it was Chris's birthday, I sent him a bunch of Vader matches. And so, if there's anything I'm talking about that he doesn't want to talk about at all, he will randomly make a comment about a Vader match that he. You know what? All right, him. I'm just gonna throw one in just to get the gimmick started. That, or I'm gonna give you a review of one of the seven Fugazi albums that was released between 1987 and two, the year 2000. Um, great, great. All well, we'll talk about them all in quick commentary fashion. Um, uh, one thing I did notice uh, from watching the Vader stuff, this is like an actual legit observation, um, is a difference in match and work style. Um, that I I think um, we just don't see as much Vader controls the center of the ring and like a lot of wwe and a lot of aew has completely lost the ring psychology of the fight psychology of controlling the center of the ring in the case of aew and the flippy do stuff it's because the ring psychology of controlling the center of the rings actually usually contra to a lot of the flippy do stuff like in the flippy do stuff you're in the center of the ring and then you choose to exit the center of the ring to do a flippy do um so like we we lose the center of the ring ring control center control stuff in wwe five moves of doom stuff like like think about your john cena match it's totally incoherent uh like yeah he does the sidewalk body toss thing and like insofar as he's controlling the center of the ring it's to do the five knuckle shuffle or something like that um like there's not a real emphasis on holding down the middle of the ring and and it's one of the many small chips away at standard fight psychology that's been happening at wrestling that's made wrestling feel less 
I mean, it's always fake, right? But it feels less real because these people are not really fighting to control the center of the ring or the center of the battle, um, which is a thing that if, like, you and I were dropped into a fight, I'd be trying to control the center. Um, like, like, there are certain fighters or whatever who maybe benefit from working against the ropes. The Of course, the rope-a-dope done by Muhammad Ali or whatever. But by and large, the whole, the whole reason the rope-a-dope worked is because George Foreman was operating from a fight psychology of, I need to control the center. I need to put my opponent on the ropes. Putting my opponent on the ropes is ring control. Um, there is no ring control going on right now in modern wrestling. It was the thing that struck me as I was watching those Vader matches. You weren't expecting a real takeout of all of that. I got one, though. Yeah. You're feeling ranty today. I'm kind of liking I, this. I'm fired up, baby. I'm here. I, I'm ready to go. I'm 35. I'm getting angry. Life's passing me by. <laughs> Old man yells at cloud. Uh, the NWA ran its winner Shadows Fall pay-per-view on June 6th. Preliminary buys less than 500. I I don't see a lot of future in, in going from Trevor Murdoch to Tyrus as your NWA challenger. I think the less said, it, the better about this. You know what's funny is I, I still pop on NWA and I find it because it's a one-hour wrestling show and maybe it's just where I'm at headspace now. I find the one-hour wrestling shows to be perfectly watchable and enjoyable experiences. Mm-hmm. They do not turn you. into a slog for me until we hit hour two. Or I don't... It's like whether it's AEW or SmackDown or any of these two-hour shows or NXT, any of these two-hour shows, it's like I, I ratchet up expectations and I find myself routinely disappointed. Whereas if they just were hitting me with a one-hour show, I'd be like, yeah, wrestling, I still like it. I still watch it. It's fun. Boomer Chris coming in hot. Uh, Yeah, so we'll sandwich the stuff we'll be critical of with NXT UK, which was an absolute delight. Uh, and then head into our NXT in your house preview after that. But uh, real quick shout out to the first of our sponsors this week, my bookie AG baseball and basketball seasons are long, especially baseball. Good Lord. That thing lasts forever. And with up to 400 potential matches a month, you can make each and every one matter by having skin in the game, a little bit of juice on the action with my Whether you're placing a wager on your favorite team player or just looking for kicks, MyBookie gives you the best odds and tons of options to make all your favorite sports a hell of a lot more exciting. Bet on baseball, basketball, the hockey playoffs, go with the Las Vegas Knights, take advantage of odds on all the Stanley Cup and NBA Finals action, or just hit up the casino, the MyBookie Casino, for the full-fledged experience where weekly blackjack tournaments give you and your friends a crack at prize pools up to $50,000. Go to MyBookie.ag, sign up now, and use our promo code ROPES to get your first deposit matched up to $1,000. That's free money for you to gamble with, kids. Let them know we sent you, so use our promo code ROPES, R-O-P-E-S, get that free cheddar get that deposit bonus start off your day with a win bet anything anytime anywhere with my bookie yes bet on everything there's a lot there's still the celebrity prop bets (laughs) there's a donald trump prop bet that he may try and be president still which i think is oh oh, can can you get something on the august thing i think you could get something on the august thing on the august thing yeah i think so (laughs) that's I I don't want to advise anyone anything, but like, boy, that feels, I don't know. If, you, if you're looking for some action on that, come and get it. Old Novi. That's all I'm saying. Well, you're uh, not getting good odds on it. Let's put it that way. But no, uh, no, for yeah. sure. But, but winning is winning. Um, You know, 
Hawkins, a lot of people say about City Diet of Nothing, Fugazi's second studio album, <laughs> um, but their, their third release, that it is, quote-unquote, the bad album. But but I, I'm here to tell you, Hawkins, uh, I think, look, the problem with City Diet of Nothing is that this band was trying to find their footing uh, in terms of producing and mixing their own albums. This is the album that they released sort of like mix themselves. Um, anyway, to quote Ian Bakai here a little bit, he said it was like we were walking on eggshells trying not to offend each other. No one would say turn your guitar down or turn the drums down. So we ended up getting a democratic mix and a lot of time democratic mixes equal bad mixes uh, when it comes to recording. And I feel that Steady Diet is a classic example of us being very conservative, although a lot of people think it's our best record. Um, I have not heard that, generally speaking, from critics, but I will say, Hawkins, that there are a lot of gems on this album, um, including Reclamation, which has a nice juxtaposition of a very fast guitar but uh guitar rhythm part juxtaposed against a very slow cut timed drum beat very cool um and there are other great songs like long division and runaway return you know, hold on and i, I think are real to gems to... hawkins real gems 3.5 stars from nove 3.5 I, I give you permission to do vader and you go into fugazi okay fine uh, so, Chris, uh, Chris, obviously looking at my rundown where the first note on here is Bailey and Seth laughing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, now I'm just going to do the laughing. <laughs> it's horrible. Yeah. I, yeah. I was trying to go to sleep last night. I was like, I had this odd while I was in the bed. And like, out comes Bailey. I'm like, oh shit, this is going to be bad. And then out comes Seth Rollins. I was like, oh God, kill me. And then like all dialogue got completely eschewed for just them laughing for what seemed like an eternity. Um, and it was awful. I, but I appreciate I appreciate it for making the joke go so long that it becomes bad and then it becomes good again. Okay, it crossed the line twice. Me. I will, I will grant that, and I think you and I have both evidence that we got abused by the crossing of the line twice, but it's also bad wrestling and bad storytelling. And, like, okay. the, Bailey, Bailey in this character is not helping enhance Bianca, and that's really the whole point to doing a thing like this. Like, this this character is really about Bailey. Um, it's not building Bianca. Chris, we had another edition of Rey Mysterio Family Theater. No, no, and I'm glad you brought this up because the real star, the real pearl to me of Rey Mysterio Family Theater now is actually Roman Reigns, who at some point in the last two months here, probably the last month really based on the acting, he saw a Robert De Niro film. And now Roman Reigns has utterly like internalized the mannerisms of Robert De Niro in every mafia movie that De Niro was ever in. So we have uh, a lot little of Roman... A little bit. A little bit, a little bit, a little bit of the Robert De Niro, lemon faces, lemon faces, mm, such brother, mm, mm. could be, squinty eyes, squinty eyes, squinty eyes, squinty eyes, squinty eyes. cheeks up a little bit, closing the eyes, cheeks up a little, a little bit, bit. sucking yeah. on lemon, sucking on lemon, don't like, don't like how this thing tastes, Jimmy. Oh, oh God bless Rey Mysterio when he gets angry, because I just never buy it. You Never, hurt my boy! You hurt my boy. Well, it doesn't help that Dominic shows back up later. Uh, he's familiar. <laughs> yeah, like I, I mean, a big problem here. I know there are other people who are critical about the Roman and Jimmy and Jay stuff, and and, and essentially the take is like it doesn't go anywhere. And, and they're I'm wrong. Not, 
They're wrong. I, and, and, I and that's a wrong. That. That's a wrong take. I'm with you. But the knock here is that it is going places and they are not earned places. Jimmy yes. and Jay and Roman's dynamic, like Roman has shifted characters entirely into this Rob, uh, the Robert De Niro face thing. Um, and that has led to like this like weird new like, oh, he's playing you. But then, like, when he's trying to get into Jimmy and Jay's head, the arguments he's using, especially with Jimmy, are so completely unearned. Like, (laughs) Jimmy should not be getting played by Roman. Jimmy is so fed up with Roman that he's in a different locker room. So, like, Roman should not be able to show up and make a persuasive argument at Jimmy that Jimmy internalizes. It's stupid. There was that. There was. I. I said that. Look, I'm having enough of mopey Jay Uso, where where it's becoming. He needs back to stab forth. Jimmy in the back or 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 decide with Jimmy, and that needed to happen about a week ago. Yes, I agree. And instead, they went with the Tommy Wiseau from the room. You guys are tearing me apart. <laughs> running out of the room. Everybody screaming. betray me. I'm fed up with this world. And like, uh, <laughs> if, if it ends with Jay Uso throwing a TV out of a window and then doing like the most dramatic <laughs> suicide scene ever. And like Roman and like, it ends with like Roman, like, no, why Jay? Why? And Jimmy's like, you killed him, Roman. Just like the end of the Rome, the room. That'd be great. The Rome. We could call it the Rome. The Rome. Yeah, yeah it'd be like John Milius on HBO. It'll be great. Um, I, you know, I just I, here's the problem. I find Jey Uso compelling. I just don't buy that he's going to be the main fulcrum of this story after a while. And he was working. He's not working now, but he was working. And so, like, yes, he was I, yeah, working. Yeah, I, I'm with but, you. I, fa- I found him very compelling. But I think you have to break Jay or turn Jay. Like he either has to go good or go bad. Um, and this and, and the problem with this storyline. In a way, it's quote unquote not going anywhere, but I think it's it's more that it's written itself into a corner. It has yes. gone, yes. it has gone places, but what it's totally done to itself now is Roman is. We don't want to pull. We don't want to pull the trigger on a character move, so we're gonna keep doing the thing in the character and what we've now done. There, there's a couple TV shows that have been like that. Breaking Bad to me did this quite a bit. Unfortunately, I mean, the writing was really good, but they'd always paint themselves in this corner where it's like, well, now we need Walt to somehow deus ex machina all the things we've been doing and somehow get out of this situation. And and so it'd be some sort of miracle would happen and they get out of it. And that's what it's feeling like to me right now is they kind of need they need to make a character choice. And now they haven't. And now they're trying to get back around to it and they haven't quite gotten there. And so now we've added Rey Mysterio in here, which is a one-week build to your most violent pay-per-view match in in there. And it's, I, yeah, I just, (laughs) is is Dominic now written off because he's basically been, been like, heave-hoed out of the ring like furniture? That powerbomb to the... That powerbomb to the outside felt like an annihilation of a character, right? Like, we don't Mm -hmm. get the powerbomb to the outside. That's a character death. Yeah, that's That's a a death. death. Uh, although, oh, here's the thing, though, with the Mysterio family that we know. You can fall from incredible heights <laughs> and, and be totally fine. So, I, I mean, like that might be genetic. <laughs> his son has inherited his ability to fall from buildings and to come back. Man, <laughs> lucky That's there was a ledge. So <laughs> Give me one second. I got to unlock my door. <laughs> my goodness. Oh, I forgot about that for a moment. Yes, if if you recall around this time last year, I'm 
I'm vamping for time because we do this live and I don't want to edit. But yes, Rey Mysterio during Money in the Bank was thrown off of a building and they explained it. I thought they were going to explain it with like a helicopter caught him. But no, there was, an, there was another ledge underneath there that he just happened to have. He happened to fall on, but was still okay on Monday. <laughs> and, and they actually explained it. Like, yeah, they, they, they explained it. Oh, no, we didn't kill Rey Mysterio. <laughs> he miraculously grabbed onto the side of the building and was You're fine. a bastard. You're a bastard, Roman right, Reigns. Yeah. That, and that's the other thing is that the, the Rey Mysterio level of anger, It whether, you, whether he's at a restaurant – and gets served the wrong entree and has to wait for an hour for <laughs> the steak, steak is to get not cooked well enough. Yeah, yeah, it's the same level of intensity as the steak <laughs> has once again brought out, been brought out to me, and it's well done. And I freaking asked for medium rare. How many times do I have to ask you people for medium rare? I have gotten more worked up on this show than Rey Mysterio does about his own son being beaten to a pulp. <laughs> this is not Diet Coke. This tastes like regular Coke. <laughs> You hurt my son, Roman. That makes you so angry. You rat bastard. Makes me so mad. Makes, makes me, me so, so mad. mad. I'm saying, I'm saying how mad I am, as opposed oh, to showing you how thing, mad I am. The the setup of I'm acknowledging you, but as a jerk, uh, like like this trope is <laughs> it, such like, a lame. And, and Roman, Roman for his part, looks like an idiot when he's actually thinking people are going to say you're great, uh, like because he's never getting that from anyone. Like he, if, if that was true, what Roman should be have, what he should be doing is like having matches against the prelim baby face guys of the world i'm trying to like think of like who would be a good example of this like if buddy murphy was still there right like just as an example buddy murphy like roman reigns should be beating a buddy murphy to start a show and then after he beats a buddy murphy forcing buddy murphy to acknowledge him or something like that um like if you want to actually build that up as to why does roman actually think people will acknowledge him as a tribal chief it has to be because occasionally roman actually does things that result and people acknowledging him as a tribal chief. But to date, the only person who has acknowledged him as the tribal chief is Jay. Not even Jimmy. Not even Jimmy. He hasn't even brought Jimmy to heel at this point. So why does he think Rey Mysterio is going to do it? Something I enjoy before I clown on something else real quick. Uh, as I told you, I am enjoying Pat McAfee's run here on SmackDown as kind of a wild card who will get very emotional about weird things and go off the beaten path of a script and you know he's getting yelled at <laughs> for a while and then somebody's just given up on yelling at him. Like, his excitement over Boogs, I, I like. His just, oh my God, my, the overselling of certain dumb things that, that McAfee does endears him to me to the point where I, I just, he's almost he in Batista, don't give an F. He lets himself legitimately like get into the show and like mm -hmm. in a way that Vince kind of hates. Um, like when people are fighting on the outside and like he has to get out of the way, like he, you know, like he, I mean, he dances on camera like to get out of the way, and, like actually thinks that he's like legitimately in peril in a way that, like, you know, when fighting happens on the outside and Byron has to get up, he just gets up and doesn't even elevate the tone of his voice. He's just like, oh wow, they're fighting on the outside now, they're right in front of us. Um, like. McAfee lets himself actually get into it, um, and, and that makes it very fun to watch. I take it back. I have two things to say. Number one, was there anyone more 
maligned this week than Liv Morgan after a win against Carmella. She goes, you have to make an announcement that she's the most beautiful woman in WWE and you have to play her music. They didn't even let the victory simmer there for a while and let her have her moment before going back to more heat for Carmella, which is a fine idea, but the music guys playing her music, even against the better judgment, are you? I mean, somebody needs like, to be fired over that choice. So, for me. so I'm like to, to that point, right? Like, if you if we actually cared about, again, if we weren't just trying to put content on the screen, right? Like, what should have happened is that Greg Kelly, Mike guy, uh, Mike announcer guy, should have been called over to Carmella. And Carmella, like, says, announce me as the most beautiful woman in the world or whatever and play my music. And Greg Kelly needs to go, you didn't win the match. Uh, the, you the didn't rules, win the match, yeah. The, rule, the rules are you didn't win the match. And then she paintbrushes him real hard. Uh, and he's on the ground, and she's, like, screaming at him, I'm beautiful or something like that. Like, if you want it. Mm-hmm. But more beyond that, it shouldn't be happening because, theoretically, we should be building up Liv Morgan. This kind of gets back to my commentary about Bianca Belair. We're so hung up on heel characterization with some of these characters that we're actually forgetting that like Bianca is the storytelling device here. Liv Morgan, I guess, is the storytelling device here. Never mind the fact that Liv Morgan has now gone 50-50 with Carmella. So like she lost one, she won one. And even in the one that she won, Carmella finds a way to make the music play for her at the end. So we forget that Liv Morgan was even in this match. Um, Liv Morgan's finisher is nothing. Um, I think the storyline is an absolute mess. McAfee, like, really... Like, look, the storyline's another classic WWE. The characters are disappearing from the screens, and we have to try to make it make sense. And you can't find an analogy for this to any other TV show other than, like... You and, you and I were talking about Game of Thrones in season one and season two, where like we're just writing off characters and we still try to get these plots to keep moving along. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> writing off Ruby Riot, a lot like not having Lady Stoneheart in uh, the Game of Thrones series for me. Uh, and my other thing, look, Otis has been a guilty pleasure here, for me at least, at times. Also, Tucker. I liked Tucky. thought Tucky brought it sometimes, but clean-shaven Otis has such such a striking resemblance to character actor Mark Holton, who you might remember as Francis from Pee-wee's Big Adventure and Chubby from Teen Wolf, that I can't get it out of my head. Chris, if you haven't seen this, if you haven't seen Pee-wee's Big Adventure, Google Francis Pee-wee bike and look at the photo and tell me that's not Otis. Yeah, yeah no, no, I, I don't know who you're talking about. Um, okay. If just, Otis, I, if Otis had done the clean shave, maybe he'd still have Mandy Rose with him. But I mean, <laughs> this is a guy. Uh, here's the thing: if, if you got a lady that you're serious about, Hawkins, you gotta be willing to shave. That's where Manscaped can help you out. Um, oh, uh, you like that? that? Yeah. Transitioning to my ad read that I wasn't planning on doing, but support for Shake Them Rose is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you with the best tools for your grooming experience. It's an experience to shave down there, people. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide, and we have an exclusive offer for our listeners, 20% off plus free shipping with the code ROPES, R-O-P-E-S, at manscaped.com. Now, they hooked us up with product. I enjoy their product for what it is. I I won't say I I go on vacation every time I have to uh, shave the jungle down there, but uh, 
Yeah, I've they've created the best to a trip to the Caribbean on a regular <laughs> basis. I'm like, yeah, I'm okay. like, this is like the Bahama Keys, baby. What? Oh, a great time. Uh, there's, yeah, like the, I, the lawnmower 3.0 is their third generation trimmer and features cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. Which <laughs> let me tell you something. The, you've ever the, the nicked 2. down there. Was good. The 2.0 was good. So like the three, the 3.0 was a really welcome like upgrade to it. But like they, really, the great thing I like the, about the Razor the light. Pro, the light for me makes light is rad, but also the fact that you really can just pull. You can go into the shower. You can use it, um, and you know you can make sure that you've got water to kind of help out things um, as you're uh, cleaning up down there. Yep, the lawnmower 3.0 comes inside their brand new Perfect Package 3.0, which comes with everything you need to keep trimmed, cut free, and smelling nice. You don't want to smell like duck butter down there. It includes crop preserver, the anti-chafing ball deodorant, and moisturizer. You put deodorant on your armpits, you might as well put it everywhere that you stink. And yes, your balls stink. Chris, your balls stink. My balls stink. Everybody's balls stink. And speaking of sweaty and stinky balls, the Crup Reviver, this product along with the Crup Preserver, keeps your balls from sweating, smelling, and sticking. And in their perfect package, they throw... In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like, you know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun, and sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever. But if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs, and it ends up being, you know, almost nothing, you know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good, and Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Off again, that's arena club.com slash VOW net, arena club.com slash VOW net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network.
in two free gifts, a pair of high-performance Manscaped boxer briefs that'll keep your junk feeling fresh all day, and a travel shed bag to store all this stuff so you don't end up losing things, which is good for people like me, who always tends to lose chargers and whatnot like that. So trim that junk. Those bags also, uh, they fit microphones, and it's really wonderful. I've actually been using my, my <laughs> no, I've been using my, my travel bag as like a mic case sometimes. It's really good. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code ROPES, R-O-P-E-S, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with ROPES. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped, and we thank them for their sponsorship. Now, AEW last night. I am a contrarian of sorts. I adored the Miro versus player evil player Uno match for what it was. It was a perfectly acceptable destruction of a guy that people want to root for. The Dark Order as mid-card geeks and as supporting Adam Page is over. I hate to tell people who don't like that, who want the purity, who want the New Japan G1 without the Toru Yanos of the world in it. But they're perfectly over. They bring out their friends to root for him, and he fails. But he fails valiantly getting plenty of offense in there. I was, I didn't understand the backlash to this match, Chris. I thought it was a perfect kind of TV title uh, there match. Are lot, that you there had are a lot of people who I, I think need to recalibrate expectations as to what certain matches are supposed to be, especially for developing out characters. Like we were so very fresh in the reborn again, Bulgarian brute Miro iteration. And so as such, Miro needs to be getting good, strong victories that like are a bit of foregone conclusions. There needs to be there needs to be a lot of dominance by him. Um, so that when people we have a bit that Uno people thought Uno had too much offense in here, and I thought it was perfectly fine. Especially I, no. the hope spot with the turnbuckle being taken off after Miro rips it off. No, I, 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 Uno is also, I, you brought up Toriano. Uno to me sort of like, it's not purely his match style, but he makes perfect yes. sense as a Toriano type. I might win via banana peel sort of finish. Um, like I think even as a baby face, evil as a, as a heel, evil Uno should be evil as a baby face. Evil Uno should still be tricky. It's just that we're rooting for him to play tricks on shady people. We don't like, mm -hmm. I agree. Um, only add two other notes. Number one, the pinnacle inner circle thing has become in DX way too quickly for me. Uh, I'm I'm over this. The pinnacle I, it, it has, is, a, the pinnacle just has a problem because they because they exist in the same universe as the Young Bucks and Kenny, who have far more heat, even though they're far more obnoxious. And the pinnacle is somewhat serious. I it's it's no. This is actually a great point. Um, the Young Bucks and Kenny are essentially occupying all of the oxygen that the pinnacle needs to be a good faction. Um, mm -hmm. like, like what, what, what the pinnacle needs effectively is to knock off Kenny Omega and the young bucks and take like the young bucks tag team titles and Kenny Omega's title. Um, and all of this, there's not a clean line to turning Omega in the bucks baby face against the pinnacle. I actually think that if you ran that in front of people, um, people might cheer for the pinnacle, which is the opposite of what you want to have happen here. Um, no, like they've, this is a show 
kind of like they've written themselves into a corner. I, I like it, it's different than Roman in the Usos, but it has the same sort of boxed in. We screwed the pooch on this because we didn't think about what the off ramp is with this storyline. And the pinnacle is very much the casualty of this. And then on the other side, they're getting nibbled at by the Jericho repeated overindulgence. Like the, the worst of Jericho comes out uh, it, when, when given too much time to malinger. And then something that really ate at me a bit, but I got pushback on it and I don't care. I still believe this. Mark Sterling and Jade Cargill. Now, Sterling is a comedy figure from back during the MJF days. He isn't playing a lawyer. I just, Jade Cargill looks like a million bucks. Just standing there with sunglasses, kind of disaffected. Less is going to be more with this. So just say. Well, why would you add be- Harvey Whippleman to the Jay yes. Cargill act? That, and that that was the exact thinking. I was, This is Harvey Whippleman with Sid is what this is. And Cargill talking about her getting her catchphrase over and so, being the Hollywood. Vap- no, no, no. She just needs to be badass and a presence there and just build her up as a threat. She doesn't need to talk that much right now because she's not going to be in the main event picture for a while with Brit while Brit's off with Nyla. Just keep building her up as the big baddie. And if she's going to, quote unquote, be that bitch, be that bitch. Don't be funny, bitch. And pardon my French for using, you know, that no, term, I, I, I think, you know, you, you got your WWE main event swear word and I'm proud of you, buddy. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, no, no. But like, I mean, this only really makes sense if she like constantly emasculates Mark Sterling. And then it's like, and then that like- becomes comedy. But that then becomes right, common, right, so. right, 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 right. I don't, I don't think it would have the desired effect where you feel bad. It, it's not going to be like the Million Dollar Man in Virgil. Let's put it that way. Also, let us not forget that the Million Dollar Man in Virgil was a nowhere angle that went nowhere. So, right. like, yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't, I didn't like this pairing. I don't think that this adds anything. Uh, Harvey Whippleman and Sid, uh, like Harvey Whippleman's definitely come to mind when I've been looking at the Sterling and Jade thing. I just never thought about the Sid pairing. And you're right. No, like it's like. What did Harvey Whippleman add to Sid? We already knew that Sid looked great. We already knew that Sid had like the million dollar presence. What what Sid needed, Whippleman couldn't add to the act. It wasn't like Whippleman was some like sort of awesome promo that you really got into. Um, it's not even that Whippleman was a real lightning rod of heat either. No, what Whippleman did was added levity to a serious character, and and they were trying to off play that of sorts and I don't think that works all the time and it doesn't didn't work then because what you want to do is really sell the menace and Whippleman never saw I mean yeah Whippleman no really no I mean angry. like 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 what Sid should have been doing is like when Sid got angry back in the day he should have tossed Whippleman around I mean this requires a guy like Whippleman to have to that's take a lot gonna of hap- that's what's gonna happen with that's what's gonna happen here and it's not gonna get her any more over I don't think no that, no I don't think so issue. I don't think so um I I mean I think, yeah, Sid and Whippleman almost works better because you can imagine a world where, like, especially in the 90s, where Sid's beating up Whippleman and everyone's really amused by it. And it kind of, like, establishes Sid as this dominating guy. Yeah, but the end result of that should have been Sid going for better representation. And that That's doesn't true. work either because also they always want to get rid of managers. And I, I just... Jade Cargill is someone who could use a good, solid, serious manager type 
one that doesn't overshadow her, but one that again, it, it's it's your thing of it, it would be Taz if Taz didn't have the team Taz yes. thing going. Taz would be an awesome manager for Jade. Stop the juxtaposition and get someone who compliments them as opposed to juxtaposes them in a way, and that's the problem with the Bailey Bianca pairing in terms of that feud it's it's a problem it's how they build feuds now is this person's serious this person doesn't take things seriously let's put them Stop together contrast. we're just gonna do yes. like, like, instead of a, another a much more interesting story that's a classic and real story is sometimes you get people who are so similar that they effing hate each other because they have yes. very very similar personality types it's that that's cool kyle and carrion cross i mean that that's another juxtaposition story Whereas, yeah, yeah I it, think what's much often much more compelling is two people who have actually kind of similar personalities. It's because their personalities are so similar that it necessitates friction. Yes, the two baddest bullies on the block end up running into each other, and now we're going to see a real fight go on after we've been picked on for years. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I, I just uh, uh, did. You have anything else on AEW or no? No, no, I'm Later. sorry. I was, I, I was uh, for the radio lines. I nodded and grimaced. Um, oh, okay. Grimace. I wasn't looking at my camera. That's my fault. <laughs> no, no. Otis, Otis is starting to look like the grimace. Um, I, I just wanted to mention that. <laughs> Clean shaven Otis uh, bear, bears a passing resemblance to the grimace. That's that's he all. He needs a Vader mask. He needs the Vader mastodon it, mask. It, it's smokes. grimace time. No, he needs a grimace mask, a purple grimace mask that fires off smoke. How dope would this be? That's you know, so wrong. It is not. It That's is so not. wrong. That's so wrong. <laughs> a, a an oasis, an oasis in this in this week's wrestling though was NXT UK. Oh, how I adored this show. There wasn't a match for me that didn't work here. There was a little bit of weird scripting. Don't get me wrong; it wasn't perfect. But I have turned the corner on Saxon Huxley. I think it's time to give him some wins now. That said, the there was like no filler Jordan. in this show. It was just like a completely no. watchable and enjoyable one hour of television. Um, which is we gotta still talk about that Triple H quote about sprints and marathons. Like we're, we're getting there with when we go to NXT. Okay, Taker. okay, we'll, we'll get right. there. Trust me. I yeah, I have thoughts on that. But NXT UK, which is off the beaten path from the NXT universe, it's the Earth Two, Earth Three of it. I'm, I have turned now on Saxon Huxley. I think he could use a, a, a he could do a Brody gimmick with a Gary Hart type as a manager. He's got the body make, now, right? Like, I mean, yes, it is, it is he's filled in. He is filled. He's clearly put in the gym work. Um, and, and like, yeah, no, I, I'm I'm sold on Saxon Huxley. I think he's a good wrestler. I really do. I know we used to I, do this dude, and I'm so yes. I love being able to be like, I once thought this person stunk. I've told I was to, wrong about this guy, and now I'm behind that, him, and that bro, was me. I, that's that's how I was about Cobra Moon uh, before, like she really settled into Thunder Rosa. I mean, she was Thunder Rosa going into this, but like Cobra Moon stunk. And I'm so glad to be wrong about Thunder Rosa. Uh, same thing with Saxon Huxley. I think he's great. I enjoy watching that's, Saxon Huxley. That matches. said, that that the the story they told on that match <laughs> was not about Jordan Devlin. Jordan Devlin pulled out his finisher. And escaped with that, which is very, it's very weird given his This is like status. the Miro and Evil Uno match in a way, right? Like, yeah, like it, yeah, it almost felt like Huxley got a little bit too much offense given the, the comparative statuses. That said, if they follow this up with a win against, say, a Joseph Connor, I'd be very happy about that. 
That said, I, I think it diminished Jordan Devlin a little bit. Just a little bit. Not much, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> Sam Gradwell continues to be a meta character that I can get behind. Where <laughs> he's just commenting on what's going on and getting feuds out of that no matter what. And I'll tell you what, if you, if you told me that Gradwell and Huxley were going to team up and be a tag team, I think I'd be kind of into that tag team. Yeah. I, th- I think they'd yeah. actually be, they'd be a fun tag team. Symbiosis got a pretty nice win against two big, beefy guys. I, I like that was both uh, cool. Andy Card and Dan Maloney too. I think that they're really too. believable, really believable enhancement talents. So, um, you know, mm-hmm. there's talk about Roman Reigns and the type of people. I'd they're like, not geeks. They're not geeks. No, you like look at Andy Card. You go like that's some resistance, and then he puts up mm-hmm. some resistance, and like he gets overcome. But like, no, that, they're good. I like them both. I think they've got potential. I like the I like the T Bone Primate pairing. Still miss Wild Boar a little bit, but you know they 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 work as their own kind of attitude in terms of you know the car the the army pants and just kind of being tough guys i kind of dig that and then whew, hose me people i have not said hose me in a long time but if you like stiff action from the women kaylee ray and mako satamaro beat the crap out of each other in this match they lit each other up I dug it. I think Kaylee Ray is over on her way to NXT Florida, and I'll be happy to see her there. Well, it but seemed this like this match, is a hasty write-off too, right? Like narratively speaking, this, like they did they didn't yeah. really think about how they're getting her off the show. They didn't think about how they were gonna get her off the show, but if this is getting her off the show, this was this is some ass whooping from both women. I, I dug the hell out of this thing, even for its little minor amounts of sloppiness. Now, don't get me wrong, I think that's what makes a good fight a good fight at times is that it's not all clean it's not all perfectly choreographed no there are a few and, times where you watch like mako take whew. like a side kick to the face and like her face goes like smush and then she's just like is just still staring straight ahead i'm just like this is one of the toughest human beings i've ever seen in my life mako set a more rules and she gave back too and hey if this is the way you're writing off your longest reigning women's champion in the territory could do a lot worse. Now it leaves a hole in terms Those of Those flipping cartwheels like leg Ooh. things were like car crashes though, right? Like, like she, yes. she did, several yes. of those were just like, ah, I'm taking this to the face now. Oh <laughs> You can see the quick sorry about that <laughs> covering the thing, because you know, but still I just I NXT UK does this. Every couple of weeks they just give me a match that I'm just like, yes, I can sink my teeth into this and just watch this and be out in an hour and feel good about professional wrestling. And I, uh, a crazy I really dug here. this. What, what if NXT UK is actually a good show and like the general consensus opinion on this has, um, sometimes we gravitate to a consensus opinion and it feels good because we're right because we're not disagreeing with everyone else, but we're actually all wrong. And uh, it turns out that NXT is actually a good show or NXT UK, plenty not of, NXT, not of- NXT. <laughs> Yeah, plenty of people you can match up on this, uh, on either roster, any of these rosters, really. I don't want to see her on the main card just because I, I want her to make the money. I don't want her to be Nikki Cross, you talk funny type, but Tony Storm, Io Shirai, Dakota Kai, even Raquel to an extent, Mercedes Martinez. But You're you right to bring up Nikki spe- Cross, though. I mean, because, like, I mean, I'm still watching Nikki Cross have to say I'm not ugly or I'm not attractive. I mean, you can only imagine the horrible dialogue that Kaylee Ray would be forced to say. 
I'm here for Sasha Bailey against Kaylee Ray, though, dude. I, I am all over that every every day of the week. If you want to put her on there, you want to give me Oscar versus Kaylee Ray. I'm cool with that too. Uh, she's phenomenal. She's the most underrated part of that first women's war games, in my opinion, because every moment she was in mattered. Either getting somebody over or doing something violent. So I I am here for her coming and getting a bigger profile in the states. Definitely. Uh, any other thoughts on uh, NXT UK? No, let's uh, do NXT in our uh, takeover preview and uh, Mosey. Let's do this preview. <laughs> I this is let, let's let me just say to begin this a hot show and also real quickly I want to talk to you real real fast. Uh, let me talk to you Hawkins about Fugazi. Let me talk Red to Me- you. Fugazi's Red Medicine came out in 1995. <laughs> um, and, and let me tell you, buddy, Red Medicine is where I think Fugazi really hits their stride. So we start seeing they, they, they have found a way to produce this stuff. The production on this album is very crisp. It's aged particularly well. You get a little bit of like the snippets and excerpts of demos from Fugazi's uh, albums in like their demo sessions and stuff. And that's kind of a fun way of stitching together this album. But the guitar playing on songs like Bed for the Scraping Hawk it's top notch but we also start to explore a more mellow side of fugazi so they're no longer just trying to be purely a punk band doing fast stuff we get slow numbers like long distance runner um which is about pacing yourself and about like life being a a marathon and not a sprint hawkins uh something that you might find useful as we're segueing into nxt here um but then we also get other cool mellow songs like a target a low distortion song that's still got some intensity to it and forensic scene a great ballad so check out fugazi's red medicine uh 1995 it's as good as vader bigelow versus doom (laughs) i I thought that was pretty good um i I, like i okay Uh, of the of the album or of the matches you have me watch um i think I think that one is the one that I like. Siren was really dope, but the Hanson one where he like loses the eye. Every time I yeah. watch that, I'm always struck with one: how much longer the match goes on after the eye spot. Two: how much work they keep doing after the eye spot. Um, and three: this time, Stan Hanson working safe after the eye spot is adorable because like <laughs> he's like it, 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 you never see Sid Hansen nerf anything so like it, it, and it's to the point where he doesn't really know how to nerf stuff um so it's like funny to watch him like try like pull back a punch because he, he's so not that way that like it, it looks really fake it's funny as hell Triple H stepping in a bit on a media call with wrestling journos to prop up this NXT in your house on Sunday. Good Lord. Okay, number one, let me talk to any wrestling journalist that may listen to our show. I don't know if there's a lot because everybody's so concerned with their own territory, and I get that, trust me. But do not get on calls and ask Triple H, are you sending women over to the Mickey James tournament for the NWA? No, of course not. What are your feelings on AEW, Triple H? He's not going to answer those types of questions. No, and those type of questions, just to go a little bit further, those type of insipid questions are the type of questions that affect your ability to get answers on questions that have real answers that you might be able to get down the line. It was first... 
Like you shouldn't ask a question you don't already know the answer to. Um, like like yes. that can get you into trouble. Although sometimes in these situations you need to. But like you know the answer to are you sending women over to the NWA tournament? NWA who is averaging five hundred buys. And in terms of WWE's overall bottom line, even the best case best for business scenario at NWA wouldn't be enough to keep the lights on at NXT for a week. So like. <laughs> Why would they even give a shit about this? He could have buried the NWA there and just gone. I mean, and look, I, I get the he could have just James said there's nothing. Yeah, no, like like the only thing I could I could send them I could send them I could send them to NXT UK and get more eyeballs. On I could I way. could send everyone over there and still no one would tune in. Is another thing that he yes. could say. Yeah. Now that said, here we go. If you have a television product that people are being critical of, it is smart business out there to number one, at least, I mean, and WWE used to be pretty good at this type of thing where they just kind of say, oh, we have a very passionate fan base and at least they're engaged. Nope, not on this call. Triple H tells the fans to just watch NXT and decide if you like it or don't and tells them to watch it or don't. Says fans ruin things half the time by being overly critical. It's a marathon, not a sprint, and says he wants NXT to be long-term. Now, here is my issue. Because you don't see the producers of Game of Thrones in most cases. Some cases you do. But it, the HBO show this season's a bit of a wash. Yeah, don't. I mean, like, look, uh, you may not be into what we're doing here. Just realize that, like, we're gonna be get, we're gonna really be turning the heat back on on season five. So, like, don't don't they run don't away. Say, don't go away. They don't say don't watch it, fatty, or whatever. You know, whatever <laughs> they want. A marathon, not a sprint, still, again, implies you don't have to be weekly loyal to this because we're gonna be coming back around again. Um, like it, it's a problem. People come to NXT to get away from the main roster thinking that was the oasis that we used to have. And because we liked the guys, we, and the ladies, we liked the wrestlers. I used to, I was going to say we liked the boys, but I include the women in that. We love these performers. And we hate to watch what people are doing to them with lazy storytelling, with Yellow Rope's main roster booking, with bad comedy half the time. This used to be a basic wrestling promotion where they would plot from week to week and things would be logical. And yes, you had a angle or an angle, sorry for, to my English teachers for ruining that <laughs> part, but you used to be able to come there and go, this feels like a wrestling show. And this is what triple H could do if he was in control of the main roster and all these other things. And instead, you what used we're to be getting... able to say this was an alternative to WWE, even yes, though you knew it was in can't. the same. Yeah. No. Yes. And, and, and what's bizarre is that this sameness really started to happen when they tried to run nxt against aew as sort of the aew alternative and like the only thing they could come up with is well what if we just serve them up monday night crap on wednesday night with yellow ropes um and that will serve as the alternative to aew and it's not like i think if nxt 
was the NXT flavor that we were into from like 2013 to 2016, um, it would actually be a real suck on AEW because I think AEW has a lot of indulgent angles and a lot of bagginess and a lot of like kind of like meanderingness that classic peak NXT US never had. Those shows were punchy straight lines. When NXT was one hour, that one hour was tight as hell every single yes. week. Those takeovers were tight as hell. Edited. There was no wasted was, space. Yes. Mm -hmm. It yep. was edited. It was clear. It was coherent. They knew where they were going. They had time to think about this. They had time to question, okay, what do we want to do with this? If they had to make changes on the fly, they could shoot a backstage angle or something to explain those things. Whereas AEW still has that jam band mentality where nobody's going to tell anybody no. And everybody's going to want to play their solos as it's, long as they it's want. It's the Fugazi City Diet of Nothing quote that I read earlier. Where No, no, I, I like, like I, I know you're nodding your head, but like, I'm actually kind of serious on this. Like, no, when, <laughs> okay. when Ian McKay was talking about, they went in to produce their, they went in to produce City Diet. Um, and it was the first album where they like all wanted to like actually have a hand in producing the album. Um, what you're seeing with AEW right now is so you got the four guys in the band. No one wants to tell anyone to turn down their bass. No one wants to tell anyone that we need to bring the drums down on this song. And maybe we'll have them a little bit louder on this next song, but let's keep them down. Um, so every, this is what's happening with AEW. No one can tell anyone no. And so like, there may be like good moods because it's democratic, but it's also not a good, it's not a good final product. It's baggy because there is not someone who is in there with the scissors and heartlessly, uh, I, I put it that in quotes, heartlessly cutting away at anything they see is bagginess. AEW does not have that space. What it is, is it's become that band on Lollapalooza that starts to get big. And then they see that Bonnaroo has 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 all the buzz right now. And instead of just doing your thing and being your music, you decide now is the time to bring in and to make it a Taylor Swift or Gwar type of spectacle with costume changes and special effects. And that's what's gonna that's what's gonna battle against this Bonnaroo thing is being more of a spectacle right now as opposed to doing better music. And it's just it's frustrating to me, Chris. It, it's so, but they're doing all the basic tropes of the main roster at the same time. And you're just like, I don't want to see this with people I like. I've already seen it with people I'm tired of. And again, we say this, we've said this now for the first couple of, or last couple of NXT takeovers without crowds. This one worries me a bit on paper. It does. This one scares the crap out of me looking at this, that this might be a, a, over, a little bit overbooked, a little bit more on story versus in-ring meat type of This is going to be fluffing up the side dishes on a steak dinner type of thing. And it, it's a little bit worrisome, especially after Triple H's comments, that this could, this could be the start of, let's put it this way, a kill candle if you're playing the market and stocks. So we get into it. Five matches, short, sweet, to the point. Bronson Reed, your North American champion, and MSK, Nash Carter, Wesley, your tag champions, versus Legado Del Fantasma, Santos Escobar, Joaquin Wilde, and Raul Mendoza. Winner takes all the titles. We have seen Hit Row being somewhat tangentially involved in this. We have seen the 
the grizzled young veterans, soon to be your NXT champions, somewhat tangentially involved in this. Santos Escobar has kind of been degraded in a way. Is there this any stinks. chance? That no, they... no, 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 no. You're bearing the lead. The idea that the North American Championship can be decided in a trios match is idiocy. It degrades the North American Championship to like a place where it's like two uh, weeks it... after you won it. Two weeks after you won it, you're putting it in a winner take all. Like, I just hate no this. faith in the champion. I hate, I hate this. It's no, don't put the belt on Bronson Reed, right? Like if, if that's really how little you think about the mid card singles title that you don't even trust Bronson Reed to carry a middle of the show match to really bring this bad boy home in a tight card that you have to hide Bronson Reed with your other ho-hum piece of crap tag team champions NS msk they're okay wrestlers they're boring act they stink um let's watch that clip again let's watch that clip again let's watch that <laughs> clip again uh like like that stunk they were grating and annoying they're basically bailey and uh billy and seth rollins only their baby faces um and yeah no i hate this uh i think to your point it does degrade santo escobar he should just beat bronson reed in a singles match and become the north american champion um or he should he has title all over him and i just he's such a championship presence and this makes him look like a geek and it, it disappoints and, and if me they all if legato wins all of the titles here it doesn't have the same impact as if the entire middle of the show was centered around legato's ascension mm-hmm I agree. I agree. I think this is going to be a very, like I call it, a theme park stunt show type match. It's going to have a lot of flying to the outside and dives. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch, I think, still. But the story coming in is can Legato, Legato del Fantasma win all the titles? Man, I just see Hit Row ruining it for Legato Del Fantasma and moving on to facing Bronson Reed and MSK separately in, a, in their own way. But I do think the champs retain here. What do you think? I don't know. Um, You think they changed the titles two weeks after they put on Reed? You're really going to give it some thought. You know what? Yeah, you know what? I'm going to go with that because here's the thing. If they really gave a shit about Reed, he wouldn't be in this match in the first place. Okay. Fair enough. And what is the most intriguing match on the card for me personally? Singles match. A four-year feud in the making that we didn't bring up until two months ago. Mercedes well, Martinez. There's been just a lot of lingering animus since that May Young classic that we always talk about. Mercedes Martinez versus Zia Lee with Boa and May Ying in a singles match. This match is going to be one of two things. It's either going to be supernatural screwiness, main roster storytelling type of crap with Boa and Mei Ying and the throne and, 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 and hand gestures from the throne, or it's going to be violence with Mercedes and Xia kicking and throwing each other. I am here for the latter. I am not here for the former. It is Xia Li's big time can she deliver in a big time situation type of match mercedes has been in this with nxt and in other things she's the veteran who's going to be carrying her through this i'm a little bit more excited than most about this match but i think supernatural crappery comes to play in this 
Zia Lee is going to win this match. I just she has to, and she has to win because Mei Ying does like a Darth Vader like. It's going to be Alexa Bliss. It's going to be Alexa Bliss in the NXT universe. And I, you know, I, I had been doing a really nice job mentally blocking out that I watched Shayna Baszler and Alexa Bliss do whatever the hell you call that this week. And, and I'm, I'm mad now that you brought that up. I'm okay. You could have brought up Vader, but we're moving on because the time is. No, you know what I can bring up is Fugazi's 1997 <laughs> album or 1998 release, which they recorded through 1997 and hits and hits expands on some of the experimental sound of Red Medicine here. It's actually my favorite album, Jeff. Um, I think that they really sort of like, they don't, they're heavy with this. Let's get through this. Let's move on. All right. Okay. It's still the best album. You should listen to it. I agree. Uh, a ladder match for the vacant million dollar championship. So we're adding another title into the mix now. Cameron. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, now the North American title. <laughs> Cameron Grimes versus L.A. Knight. Yeah. Uh, I actually did enjoy the juxtaposition of these two video vignettes in the match. Uh, <laughs> L.A. Knight being more serious and more on top of it, but at some point cutting off the jocularity in the hot tub made me laugh. Cameron Grimes having no clue how to be a man with money, just white trash with cash. I dig that. This again feels to be possibly the victim of overbooking because I don't think Ted DiBiase aligns himself with either of these people. I think there's a third party that's going to be involved somehow. Don't know who it is. Don't know if it's going to be Ted DiBiase Jr. has been rumored a bit. Could be, could be a geek like Kona Reeves for all. No, I, know. I mean, like, like that actually makes the most sense, right? Like at, at this point, it's like we have almost written Cameron Grimes into a babyface scenario um, yes. a few times in this, but like also like pulled back from it. It's like very unsatisfying, but it does seem like DiBiase's not ultimately going to settle in on LA Knight. Like it's always, it seems like a foregone conclusion to me that like. Cameron Grimes will not earn the respect of Ted DiBiase. But, like, it was always like, will he actually side with LA Knight? And the answer is no. So, yeah, I think you're right. I think there's going to be a third person who gets it, and then we just end with Ted DiBiase going, ha ha! Yes, he's going to laugh at the end, and then that'll probably be the end of Ted in this whole story. There's a Ted DiBiase has a Jake Roberts problem. He's so tall and big. He towers over today's stars. He's six, four, I think six, five. You put him next to Cameron Grimes and even LA Knight, And he, he just towers over the guys. And, so you, and you know, you never got that sense of him when he was wrestling back in the day. Cause he was never a body guy. I, I he always, he's kind of like yeah, DiBiase, he, sneaky tall. But he's also in that, in that mid South time when everybody's like, Hacksaw, Jake Roberts, Butch Reed, Dick Slater. Those guys are all over 6'2", 6'3", as well. So it's like being, it's like WWE had, had, had this problem a lot in the 90s and even in the aughts, coming in the Attitude Era, where in the land of giants, nobody's a giant unless you're super-duper tall. And that's why we always kind of looked at Billy Gunn as, oh, he's not that big, and then you see him in person, and he's a giant. And you're like, my God, how come he wasn't pushed as a big man as opposed to a small athletic guy? And part of that's the WWE ring, too. Um, I I mean, actually, to your point point about DiBiase, too, I think actually what's heightening the tensions is the the scale of the ring, too. I don't think it helps the smaller guys. 
yeah, I, I would agree there. Uh, yeah, the smaller ring always made guys look like giants, too. Uh, the women's championship, Raquel Gonzalez with Dakota Kai versus Ember Moon with Shotzi Blackheart. Shot, or I'm sorry, I, uh, Ember Moon got the uh, stunner here on the go home, so we already know she's not winning. I would normally agree with you on that. I am struggling, though, because of all these cuts. It might be new toy time. And Raquel Gonzalez is a body person. Look at the, look at the definition on that back. I could see both Raquel and Dakota, because Dakota would probably be brought up to lose to Raquel and make her look good. And Ember's never getting brought up again, I don't think. I think they're done with her. And now that Io Shirai is back, because we've, we've, we've pulled the plug on the Monet, Frankie Monet cats and dogs story, I guess, to be part of this. I, I don't know. I don't know, but there's a part of me saying Raquel drops this to Ember and goes to the main roster. I think both champions may drop their titles and go to the main roster at some point, either during the draft or as a post-SummerSlam surprise and it's time to take them off TV for a couple months while we quote-unquote get them ready, so to speak. Uh, Dakota and Shotzi are getting thrown out at some point. I know that much. I, I am, tend to think Shotzi costs Ember, Ember the title. I think Shotzi costs Ember the title. And that's okay. so, what starts to... Because they keep hammering the Ember's Law thing. Ember's Law is her new gimmick. Ember is a revenge-oriented character at this point. So she needs transgressions to get revenge on. Um, and, and the fact that we've got side... Wait, who'd side, she lose to in the Mae Young Classic? We can that's <laughs> true. I mean, like that's the type of stuff that really burns inside. Okay, so you have uh, you have Raquel, I have Ember on that I, I one. have Raquel, and I, to go one step further, I have Raquel because Shotzi inadvertently costs Ember the match. Okay, fair enough. And then the main event. Good God, help us all. This is this is going to be a mess. God, this is going to stink. Be a, this is one of the worst main events for a takeover not, in a I'm long time. I'm not going to say time. it's going to stink. I'm not going to say it's going to stink because you got a lot of greatness in that ring, Chris. You do. You can have man, a lot of greatness in a match and have too much greatness sometimes. Fallen prey, carrying cross the champion with Scarlet, taking on cool Kyle O'Reilly, Adam Cole. I'm back, baby. The ways Johnny Gargano with Austin Theory probably at his side, and Pete Dunne with Oni Lorkin at his side. We're getting dives. We're getting, oh my goodness. Multi-car pile-up spots. I think we're going to have at least three multi-car pile-up spots. A little where Tower of Doom action. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. A little, little heap on the outside thing going on. Who is standing? Who? Who is standing as your NXT champion coming out of In Your House Takeover? It's got to be cross. I just, I don't, I don't, they're not, Kyle's not cool. I, I think they know Kyle's not cool. Uh, Adam Cole, it's not right to get the title back on him. Um, I don't believe that Gargano is winning the title. Like, I, I, I've never believed for a second that Gargano has a shot. And who's the other one? Finn Bauer? Pete Dunn. Pete Dunn. Don't believe that Dunn can win. I mean, the problem here in this match is that, None of the four challengers for Cross 
are actually people who deserve to win. So if they try to zig and zag and put the belt on, let, let's say, Pete Dunn, it's going to be super unsatisfying. Um, so I tend to think they're going to keep it on Cross. He stinks, but he stinks in the way that they like. I am going to go with Johnny Gargano being the NXT champion after this. Now, the guy on top should not be a comedy figure, but they're going to reward him for the comedy from the way. It's a total sports entertainment move. It's a total type of thing that they would do here. But I think I think fallen prayer on their way to the main roster. I do this time. They I think they that's a- love 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 this Gargano storyline. Like the the, the fact mm-hmm. that Dexter Loomis and Indy Hartwell Index has had this much staying power with the writing team tells you a lot about how they feel about the way. Yes, and I think they're going to eventually elevate the way to be the top heel team, despite the goofiness. I think. O'Reilly and Cole are left to fight it out probably with Bobby Fish and maybe even maybe even uh, 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 Waterick Strong? Roddy Strong somewhere in this. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. And it feels like it feels like we move on to Dunn versus Gargano in a way for this and that Gargano steals the pin from Dunn. That feels like what it's like to me because yeah, Dunn's the guy yeah. who can most take the loss here in W when WWE books like this. When they make they go, I'm serious and I'm the best technical wrestler, you know they're gonna get a roll up pin in some way. <laughs> or get pinned in some geek way. And, and I'll put it this know. way long term there's some intrigue maybe in a Johnny Gargano Kyle O'Reilly storyline. So like maybe this is yeah. just a necessary crappy step on the way to something more interesting. But like this is Cross, this, this is a marathon, Jeff, not a sprint. Cross has lost his appeal in many ways by just talking too much, as opposed to being a presence of destruction. I think it's time to shut him up, get the title off of him. But he doesn't lose the title, so you know, so he keeps his heat, so to speak. I think he loses the title, destroys everybody, and that's the last we see him in NXT. That's my choice. I'm sticking with it. We'd once again like to thank Manscaped and MyBookie.ag. Use code ROPES on both for Manscaped. 20% off plus free shipping for MyBookie.ag. Code ROPES. Get up to $1,000 matched in your deposit. We are also on Patreon, even though we don't update it that much. We'd appreciate your tips for having to sit through this show, these shows every week. Patreon.com slash ShakeThemRopes. Kick in a buck. Maybe we'll actually produce something for you guys. Um, but you can get a hold of our old shows, which are quite good, I think, especially the breakdown of Jerry Lawler and uh, Andy Kaufman and, on and there. And I think more retrospectives eventually is kind of a thing that Hawkins and I are, are, are interested yes. in doing, too. So, like, like yes. if we see some activity on the Patreon, that will jumpstart the... If you liked... I said a proof of concept essentially is the Jerry Lawler, Andy Kaufman episode. If you guys like shows like that, please, t- or if you've never heard that episode, uh, it's evergreen. So go and take a listen to it. That's kind of a proof of concept of a thing that Jeff and I would like to do more of than watch middling um, to sometimes below middling WWE weekly television. I am, I am not looking to pay my rent with this. I'm not looking to quit my job. I am just looking. No, to me neither. I just, I, it, it's got, it, it's gotta be. I'm not looking to pay my rent. I'm just looking to make it worth my time. 
um, which yes. is way below, way below, like right up here. Ba- worth my time's like up here. It just needs to be basically worth the bar my tab. It would be for me to do the show. That's all I want because I'm going to be drinking while watching old wrestling and just kind of letting loose. But Chris also does other pot. Oh, you can follow me at Crap Game 13. You can follow Chris at DWATG. You can just follow the show at Shake Them Ropes, all one word. You can follow Voices of Wrestling at Voices of Wrestling. We are also on there on video. If you want to see my reactions to his Fugazi takes, that's where you would go. Chris has a separate uh, separate side business talking politics. Tell us about Don't Worry About the Government. I sure do. Actually, uh, for a long time on Don't Worry About the Government, the uh, closing credits music was Stax, which is off of uh, Steady Diet of Nothing. Uh, so like for a while, Fugazi was actually at the end of the show. It's not anymore. I wrote my own music. You can find the show at don'tworry.tv. Um, you can find it on patreon.com slash DWATG on iTunes, on Stitcher. All episodes are on YouTube. And real quickly, the last album, uh, Fugazi's, uh, The Argument, comes out in the year 2000. I actually saw them on tour prior to them recording this album. Got to see them play O live at Phoenix's Celebrity Theater. Really dope. Really cool. Um, and... I think it's got a lot of great hits on it. Um, I think it's a it's it's a great mature final album. So go and check that out and uh, listen to "Don't Worry About the Government," which you can find on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify.